0: Life and Ball Podcast Monday morning. We are live. We're going to talk Detroit Lions, Michigan State, and Michigan. Keeping it Michigan-based this morning on the show. Obviously, the Detroit Lions. Let's start with them. My goodness, the Lions—the things they do to you—it's incredible. It, it's never will there ever be an organization in pro sports that does what it does for its fans like the Detroit Lions do, but they win 23-22, the end of that game was just, (laughs) excuse me, remarkable, Uh, incredible, Um, and I look at the game, and what a weekend of college football, Penn State, Indiana, and I'm only saying that game, because if anyone didn't watch, and they, you know, they didn't see what happened, Penn State basically scored when they didn't need to what they needed to do was get the first down and run the clock out you know you're going to get into the scenario where you see this a lot in football where a team is winning and all they need to do is down the ball the other team's not going to be able to stop the clock and they're close to the end zone so what happens is defenses now they're they maybe call their last time out like the lions did we'll get to that in a minute and they're basically saying hey you know let them score so we can get the ball back and possibly tie the game up. So Penn State's up by one if they score a touchdown. You know, they'll be up by eight. So Indiana has a shot to to come back and and tie the game up. And then they gotta get, you know, with the two point conversion if they score. Well that's what happened in the Penn State, Indiana game. Penn State, the running back goes and um, you know, he scores and most of the coaches were wanting him to go down. But it, it, it's hard for a player. It's one of those plays that I think you're going to see this more often, where coaches talk about this in practice more. You know, teaching your players, hey, look, if we're winning, and we call a play just to run a simple run play, draw a play, off tackle, whatever it is, hey, look, just get the ball and go down. Let's keep the clock going. Well, the Penn State running back doesn't do that, and Todd Gurley didn't as well. A little different scenario because. Atlanta wasn't winning, Atlanta was down two. So the Falcons are driving, they're getting down to the end zone, I can see what's going to happen, I'm like, if they get this first down on third and one, uh, now the Lions have to use their last time out, and basically Atlanta can just kneel on the ball and kick a last second field goal. Well, Atlanta instead runs a play, and when they run the play to Gurley, Gurley gets right to the goal line, and oh, I want to go down, but he doesn't. He crosses the plane. It's a touchdown. The Lions, you know the rest of the story. The Lions obviously get the ball back. They're down six. Matthew Stafford brings us all the way down. And with two seconds left, the sidearm slinger fires one in the end zone to TJ Hawkinson. Former Iowa tight end scores, and I went bananas. I yelled and and screamed, look, I'm a Lions fan, so I don't care how we win or who we beat as long as we win. Then there's a flag. And, of course, as a Lions fan, so pessimistic of me, I thought, no way, it's coming back. Well, no, we got an unsportsmanlike conduct. Danny Amendola, great job, buddy. Moves us back 15 yards on the extra point. But Prater bomb is money. He hits it, and I went insane again. So the Lions win 23-22. Insane game there, though, where everything has went wrong for Atlanta this year. And Todd Gurley, I mean, you can't blame the kid. The guy, I should say, he's not a kid. You can't blame the kid for Penn State for sure. Girlie, look, you're right there. You knew he probably shouldn't have done it, but when you're running and you know you're getting close to the end zone, what do you do in that situation? The thing that I want people to understand is, look, you know, I'm gonna go on go on a little bit of a rant here about coaching today, but what we can't blame coaches on is probably that play. Look. Penn State kids score, you're up by eight. Just so stop, Indiana. Get a stop. Play good defense. You know, look, Atlanta, you're up six. Play better defense. The Lions have no timeout. I mean, look, they were, the Lions did not run that beautifully. I mean, they throw the ball to Hawkinson. He stays in bounds on one of the plays. They, they throw a deep ball to Galladay, terrible coverage. You know, bad coverage in the situation. Golly, they did make a great play but Atlanta blew it because of the defense. This wasn't on Todd Gurley. And you know, I don't want to blame the Penn State running back or the coaching, and I don't want to blame necessarily Gurley for that play, but coaching on the Falcons one. Look, man, just take a knee. You're close. It's going to be a simple field goal. You don't need to run any plays here. Take a couple of knees, run the clock down, kick the field goal. And honestly, I guess I, I got to look back at the Penn State situation. Someone's got to comment on this. I don't know what their timeout situation was. I think Indiana had some, right? Maybe I'll have to look back. Or they I don't know if they had three, two, or one, but I'm pretty sure they had a timeout. I may be wrong. I need someone to comment on that because I'm not going to rewatch it right now. But, you know, it's hard for a player to, you know, you're... you're you're taught as a football player, you know, go hard, go to the end of the whistle, put the ball in the end zone, be aggressive, play fast, right? Play with your hair on fire. I mean, those are things that you say to football players. It's hard for them to just stop and not go forward and try to go to the end zone. The coaching from Atlanta, that, that was probably a bad decision. You, you take the knee, you run this thing down, they got no timeouts, you're going to kick a last-second field goal and win or lose, and, and look, you, don't, you give them no chance. You give Matthew Stafford zero chance to win. I think that was a blunder there by the coaching. Um, Speaking of coaching, let's go Mel Tucker, Michigan State, obviously first game. They play Rutgers. Everybody and their brother thought that Michigan State would win, including me. I thought Michigan State would run Rutgers over. I thought they'd win by a few touchdowns. I actually had them winning by 21. I thought they were going to kill Rutgers. I really did. Um, Let's not forget, when we talk about coaching, Greg Sciano's been around. There's a culture thing there at Jersey. He loves being there. He's already been there and been successful. They got a lot of grad transfers, but there's no excuses here for Sparty. We already talked about this on Trouble with the Snap podcast with Tyler Hayward. You know, and, and Tyler went off about it because he's, he's the Sparty guy, obviously, of the show. I thought they looked terribly prepared, Michigan State. I, I thought the fundamentals were majorly lacking. And, uh, you know, they just didn't look very good in some areas that definitely you could question coaching. I thought they were careless. I thought the scheme wasn't very good. I thought the fourth down decision when Michigan State was down, um, you know, by eight in the third quarter, they could have kicked the field goal to to bring it to five. They do not do that. They go for it, and they run a simple uh, handoff play up the middle, and it got nowhere. And the momentum really changed at that time. Because, you know, Michigan State was playing very well in the second half. They were down 28-13 in halftime. They come out, they score, and they're about to try to score again. And the momentum was swinging their way. Rutgers was not playing well. Michigan State had figured a few things out. Mel Tucker decides to go for it on fourth and short. I think it was fourth and two. And they were, you know, I think at the 20-some yard line you kick that field goal, you kick that field goal, you get points, you, you keep the momentum going, you're within a touchdown now, now you stop them, which, uh, you know, they didn't do the next drive, but I think it was more momentum, Rutgers came down and, and kicked the field goal, because they were stopped, now you're, you're, it's a two possession game, it's 31-20, and I think the game from that point on changed, where, where Michigan State had nothing uh, positive after that, you know, they, they just couldn't get rolling, I think old Uncle Mo really comes into play in college football, and I thought that play call was the beginning of of the end for Michigan State. I want Spartan fans to hear me out here, because i got a lot of experience with this, because I've seen this with Rich Rodriguez, and I've seen this with Brady Hoke. I'm not going to compare Mel Tucker to them fully, but there's a lot of similarities here, and I'm going to tell you why. Number one, the one thing that's different, though, Mel Tucker you know he's he's been a position guy a coordinator at some great places you know he's been a DB's coach at Ohio State he's been uh in in, you know a DC you know at Georgia you know he's been in Alabama uh he's been in the NFL with the Bears in Jacksonville um not a lot of head coaching experience he at Jacksonville you know he was an interim head coach he went two and three which is fine you know I'm not knocking that experience and I think that's Experience where he probably wasn't even asking for that. Um, and then last year, his, his only full season as a head coach, he was 5-7. and seven. Mel Tucker, um, when you look at that record, he has a losing record as a head coach. I'm not saying that that makes him a terrible coach. What I'm saying is this guy doesn't have a lot of head coaching experience. Which, look, there's a lot of guys that don't have the head coaching experience. They come right in and they do quite well. I mean, you could look at Michigan basketball. I thought Jawan Howard you know as a head coach in his first year at Michigan there were some things that he definitely struggled with but hey winning record they were about to be in the NCAA tournament a couple big wins there uh, won a you know a, a tournament and you know the the battle for Atlantis I know basketball is different than football but coaching is coaching he had that team rolling and then there was obviously that breaking point where they struggled you know they didn't have enough You know, scheme that was good enough on offense. I thought it was ball screen dominant. You know, and, and I'm not getting into basketball today, but you get my point. There was coaching struggles there, and it was his first year. Mel Tucker, this about this is about as bad as you can get for your first game as a head coach. This is Matt Patricia losing to the Jets. You know, in his first game with the Lions, and what happens in this state, especially you know, we care. You know, this is not. Colorado, you know, this is not where you're a position coach at a really, really good school and it doesn't really matter what you do because you're probably going to be successful. You know, when you're, you know, coaching at Ohio State, you can make a few mistakes as a position coach or a coordinator because we're just good. When you're at Alabama, you're just good. And when you're in the NFL, nobody cares that much about the position coach or coordinators. I mean, maybe the coordinators, but look, it comes down to the head coach. You can hide when you're a position coach or coordinator a little bit. You can hide, or you can do just good and get away with it. You cannot get away with anything as a head coach today in sports. You just can't. I mean, good good, and great coaches are getting fired every day. I mean, Dwayne Casey was the coach of the Raptors. They had the best record. He's the coach of the year. They can't beat LeBron. He gets fired. I mean, it's, it's just where we are today, guys. Jim Harbaugh has won a lot of football games, but he hasn't beat Ohio State. A lot of people don't want him there no more. They're ready to move on. You're in the big boy world now. This isn't Colorado where, you know, hey, they're, they're getting better, and this is pretty exciting. No. This is Michigan State in the Big Ten, program that was ran by a guy who had been to the college football playoff, who's won a couple big 10 championships, who beat his rival eight times in 12 years. And and, you know, when you made this hire, I said this last year, well, this year, early in the year, winter, springtime, I said, I think this is a bad hire. I don't think this guy is going to be well qualified for this job. This isn't me saying Mel Tucker is a bad football coach. I don't think him as the head coach at Michigan State is a good job for him. And I also said, I think this guy's going to crash and burn. It's going to be bad because he probably shouldn't have been in this position. He probably should have stayed at Colorado because they really liked him. And, and they're allowing 5-7 and seven to be actually cool. You know, Mel Tucker, a lot of Spartan fans... They might say they're cool with understanding the transition and we're, you know, we're not very good right now and it's going to take time. Oh, they don't want to hear that. I mean, most of the Spartan fans that I know and then the comments I'm reading all over media and social media, people are pissed. They're very angry. They don't want to see you to lose to Rutgers, that's for sure. And you have your rival this week. I don't think this guy's a good head coach yet, guys. I think it's going to take time. But you're in a situation where you are really going to have to be patient. And this is so Rich Rodriguez-like, it's scary. And look, I could be wrong. There's a lot of things. I actually turned the other direction with Mel Tucker before the season. I said, you know, I think they're talented enough. And I think he may bring a different energy. And I think they may actually surprise people this year. I was wrong. I I would be shocked if this doesn't go back to what I initially thought, and this guy does a really bad job. Not because he's a bad coach, but it's just, it's too competitive. And, you know, it's just he's just not experienced enough. Mark D'Antonio came into this program in a good position. He had a lot of experience as a head coach. He was really turning the corner. He, he had good winning experience. He loved Michigan State. He had already been there. I know Mel Tucker's already been there. I get that part too, but this is where it's different. Mark D'Antonio was well-versed and prepared for that moment. He also took over a program that was in the dumpster fire. Mel Tucker's taking over a program that has seen some success. So there's a lot more pressure to win. Everything you do that's negative is noticed more. You know, Mark D'Antonio didn't just come in and, and, and take off like gangbusters. They had some struggles. They weren't that great year one, but they were making that turn. You could tell it was different. It wasn't John L, and people were excited. They made a bowl game, and, and, you know, it looked good. It looked better. It looked more organized. They looked like a a more fundamentally sound football team. It just looked better. And then they had the Michigan game, and then the rest was history because Mark D'Antonio made it very clear how he felt about that school when the little brother thing was called out. We are in a situation, guys. Mel Tucker, this is the biggest week of his coaching life at Michigan State. Because even in 2007, Mark D'Antonio knew what was at stake. I have to make a statement because this program is not going to deal with this anymore. They're tired of losing to Michigan every year. And we're tired of getting treated the way we're getting treated. We're tired of the disrespect. I got to stand up and make a statement. So this isn't even about on-field performance. This is off the field. And here's the tough part, guys. This is a pandemic. And you're not in front of people with reporters. But guess what? You're still in front of a screen. You can still make a great statement. Mel Tucker has to stand strong. Everything he says this week leading up to the game means nothing. Everything he says after the game means everything. He has to make a strong statement, win or lose, after the game that's going to lead you. You want to make a huge statement, though, you win the game, which I think is going to be very hard for them to do. I don't see it happening. But there's a lot at stake this week for Mel Tucker and this program because this could be Rich Rodriguez very easily. This could be a situation where for three years they're just not good enough yet and you're going to have to wait wait this thing out. And then maybe year four or five... You know, they start turning the corner. You know, that's where you are. You know, and, and you definitely have to find a way to beat Michigan during those first few years because people are going to give up. People nowadays can't wait. They, they don't have the patience. In, in 2020, and then what we've dealt with, with the pandemic and, and the negativity and, and what this program of Michigan State's went through, losing a very good coach, uh, the last few years and few seasons of his, of his career were not very good. A lot of negativity going around this program. Mel Tucker has a huge opportunity to do something special here. Is he good enough as a coach, though, to do it? That's the thing I question. Will he make the right calls? Will he have a good game plan to lead you in the right direction? You know, those are big questions. And, and you know, you got to look at where he just was. I mean, guys, look. This guy didn't come into the program... And led his team to a championship last year it wasn't like you know he went to Colorado and boom all of a sudden I mean they are just they were you know nine and three he shocked everybody this is a program that you know look he left him right away you know and look I'm not knocking him for it. everyone makes decisions in life I've made poor decisions I can stand by that I I mean people should question you know me as a coach you know I this is the world we live in you're gonna get questioned and you can't be offended you know, and you can't take it personal. This is a competitive world we live in with sports. There's a new article. There's a new podcast. I'm doing one now. Everybody's talking now. Everybody has something to say. And it doesn't mean everybody says something good. But I will stand strong on my statement here. This is a really tricky situation you're in for Michigan State. Because it was just so good under the guy before and Spartan fans are not, you know, they're not going to wait around because they already did that with John L. Smith. They waited around, it didn't work. Mark D'Antonio came in, they, oh, we lost to Michigan again. Mark made a great statement. This game matters, and we're going to, you know, this is very important to me. And he was sturdy with the words, strong, chest out, like we're going to come back. Hey, you want to talk about Purdue? Let's get a win to them next week. You know, he was strong, a very strong Man that led this program Mel Tucker has to be that way you have to meet that standard and and, and you know look he's in a tough spot and this is a tough season this is a, a, a weird weird year or two for year one for him he's got a lot of challenges I'm not knocking the guy but bottom line guys people don't want to hear it anymore it's just not an excuse driven society in sports you can't make excuses people don't want to wait around want to see wins ohio state every week looks great every week you know they might slip up once in a while and they look unreal you know i mean that's a program that's the standard that's a a team in your conference by the way this is not the same conference that mark d'antonio walked into this is a much better conference all around much better much more competitive you know, and Mark also came into a situation where Lloyd Carr was on his way out. So the school you got to compete against in your state who is much more of a brand, we know that. Looks really good right now. They've got a lot of experience with the coaching staff. They're not great, but they're pretty pretty good at times. And I'll tell you what, they looked really good Saturday. And they really like beating Michigan State. Jim Harbaugh has made this game very important. They don't want to lose State anymore. And they made that clear. This is crunch time for Mel Tucker. It just is. This conference is really good, guys. Indiana looks good. Penn State, ultra-talented. Purdue, getting better. Beat Iowa. Northwestern looked pretty good. I know Maryland looks bad, but Northwestern looked all right. Minnesota is much better. P.J. Fleck, you know, look, they got a lot of things going on there. They got injuries, players sitting out. They don't have a kicker. They don't have a punter, but they'll be good. You got to beat that. They're tough. They got a great quarterback, great receiver, great running back. Really good offensive line. Ohio State is out of this world. Michigan has a ton of talent. Wisconsin's always good. I mean, this is a bear of a conference. And Mel Tucker and Michigan State right now, when you look at them and you lose to Rutgers, you're now a bottom feeder. I mean, there, there's no other way to describe it. You are a bottom feeder now when you lose to Rutgers. And you've got to find a way to dig yourself out of that hole. Because, look, guys, Rutgers hadn't won a Big Ten game since 2017, and you just lost to them. It's a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call for Mel Tucker. And look, this, he, he said relentless is a statement. they got to be relentless in their preparation, in their fundamentals, their skills, their game planning, their game management. It's got to be textbook this week for sure. You can get away with seven turnovers against Rutgers and still be somewhat hanging around. You turn the ball over like that against Michigan, you might lose by 50. You turn the ball over against Penn State like that, you you, you may lose by 50. You do that against Ohio State, oh my God, they might score 100 points. You do that against Minnesota, you're going to get killed. I mean, there's... They got a lot to fix. I don't think they'll turn the ball over. I really don't. I think that they'll get it cleaned up. I think they'll take care of the ball. I think. But what the next part of it is, it's really scary, is now you get into conservative. And they're just not physically strong enough to push people around like they were with Mark. I mean, this is not a state team. Their O-line is just not figured it out yet. Rutgers got to the quarterback. They got pressure. You got a quarterback who's okay and good had great numbers he's not fantastic you got a couple players that you know I thought Jade Reed besides the fumbles looked really really good I thought Jalen Naylor looked really good Matt Dotson made some plays you got a a freshman running back that played well you still have Elijah Collins you got to figure out how to play him there was a few guys on defense that played okay they're still giving up way too much big plays like they did they Rutgers had big plays The quarterback with the touchdown, a couple wide-open receivers. The secondary had struggles. It looked good at times. You can't make those mistakes against good teams. But when you're conservative now because you're like, oh, we can't turn the ball over, you have to play aggressive against these other good teams because you got to score points. In in today's football, when you play against these teams, even in the Big Ten, got to score, man. Because most of these schools have a quarterback or skill position players that can get it done. Michigan's got a quarterback who's got a cannon. And he's got four or five guys that he could use as weapons. How do you contain that? And and their O-line looked pretty solid. This is a situation where you are in big trouble if you don't get it fixed. And you don't have time. You don't have time. you you got to get it done now. And I just question that and Mel Tucker is the guy to do that so here's the last thing I'll say and then we'll get real quick into the into the rivalry because it is rivalry week Tyler would call it hate week Uh, his hate for Michigan is strong um Michigan State fans you're going to have to understand that maybe you have to be really patient you you have to I said this that it might take a few years and then maybe year four if you're lucky year three you know, you, you can start making up some ground. You win a couple big games, people start talking, and then you're, you're doing well. You're in, you're in good standing with the fans, the community, the, the board, the, the department, you know, and, and just everybody. But this might be a situation, Spartan fans, you're going to have to realize you have a Rich Rodriguez as a coach where it's going to be, take some time, and he's going to take him a few years. And it's hard to do that but you can't get into this situation where you do what Michigan did, where then you get rid of Rich Rodriguez in three years, you bring another guy, you think he's going to turn around, and it turns out to be not all that great either. Now you're setting your program back like Michigan did for, you know, look, eight years. From 2008, you know, with the three years of Rodriguez, and the four years of Hulk, those seven seasons, there just wasn't a whole lot of positivity. You have one year that was good, and that was probably, you know, it, but Hoax first year. A lot of it had to do with the guys were ready to win. The schedule was in their favor. And the conference wasn't as good, guys. Ohio State wasn't as good. They just, you know, lost Trestle. And, you know, there was a lot there that favored Michigan. Mel Tucker does not have that situation. He's in a ridiculously good conference with really good coaching. So, look, Michigan, Michigan State Week tough to be a Spartan fan now. all that changes if you upset Michigan. I say this every year I feel like it doesn't matter what they've done if they beat Michigan all as well in East Lansing. So you got to do that. Um, we'll get into more of the, the preview of the game probably later with Tyler on TWTS podcast. you get in trouble with the snap podcast. we'll, we'll get into them more but uh, look Michigan state's in trouble. You know they're in big trouble in this game. I think Michigan is far superior. Uh, they're just better. I've seen this on the other end where Michigan State's just better. Um, and I think this is the same thing for Michigan on their end. They're they a much better team. They have much more depth. Look, COVID's crazy, though. You know, you get a couple positive tests. Look, Graham Mertz of Wisconsin, unbelievable quarterback, comes in and lights out. He tests positive for COVID. There's a lot of things that can happen that make this just so strange and scary at the same time. And, you know, you just pray for all the players and, and for every school in the conference. We just don't know. Kids can test positive, and it makes everything different. Um, we'll get into it more. Michigan, Michigan State, the, the line is, is going up and up. You know, what is it, at 25? Michigan favored to win by 24, 25, which I think is a bit much. But look, you know, last year they won by 34, so I don't know. Uh, we'll see what happens. We'll talk more this week about it. We might get on later in a few hours. Uh, again, Life and Ball podcast, we give your game life. Give me your comments, feedbacks on this. Uh, Michigan State, man, a lot needs to be fixed if they want to be competitive.